0: Welcome to the Mod State Podcast, all the fits that make news.
1: The whole world got fighting. Well, I heard Biden uh, was a loser. I mean, look, June never got more than one percent. And now, our hosts.
2: I mean, she too. literally, she, she, for the the last. 30 to 45 seconds it's just been nothing but trashing me but i guess i guess it just builds her up i don't know
1: hey look i mean i I think she was a great addition
2: she was a great addition she'll be back or it'll be part of the uh the second bonus episode that will be dropped i'm sure that uh, most of our listeners oh you okay in there oh boy um
1: that is the bonus content. If you want the bonus, <laughs> you pay X amount of dollars to have Sarah. All right, that's
2: fair enough. That I mean, it's just a proposal. Um, I mean, if she lives through whatever she's going through now, she seems to be okay. Uh, yeah. Um, so the uh, what? Where was I? Where was I? she will be back at at some point and uh for those of you who have heard the bonus episode the next bonus episode or at least uh at least a good chunk of content we have has uh sarah in it and it certainly makes for a different type of episode um however uh we the bonus epi- episodes will be available for you to listen to for a, a little while at least to sort of socialize the idea of um, of of bonus content and, and more things. So but uh certainly not, gone. certainly not gone quickly uh anytime soon. So as always uh thank you for tuning in wherever <clears throat> you are listening from on this pale blue dot. And we hope that you are staying safe and we hope that you are staying curious and we are certainly thankful for you tuning in. Uh, for those uh, well, you know, I, I suppose the, the overall the, the Biden transition into the presidency and his administration has been fairly consequential for everyone across the world. And obviously more than others, but it certainly all eyes have been on the United States over the last several weeks, and everyone was holding their collective breath. To And hope that the way it transitioned, transitioned, right? And, and it's been fairly peaceful. And I think, at least myself, I I really had quite a bit of faith in the system that it would be a fairly peaceful transition of power. And everything that people were bracing for in terms of catastrophic and horrible really hasn't happened since the 6th. At the Capitol. and I think that might be a testament to the sort of validity of a lot of the conspiracy theories that have fueled this hatred and, hatred and rush to um, extremism uh, that that the way it, it, the fact that it didn't pan out the way the conspiracy theories um pledged it to be or promised has has left a bit of the movement in chaos or at least confusion. So uh, it certainly didn't pan out quite the way I think a lot of people thought it would. And and for a lot of people, it panned out exactly how they hoped it would. So, But we're not here to think about my uh, or pine on my opinions uh, this entire podcast. We do have actually have a show for you tonight, and I think we could probably segue into that. However, I will give you... Um, As much time as you'd like to to respond to anything that I just said.
1: All I have to say is that regardless of what anyone thinks about the process that went into the election and the transition, the prior administration had over 50 court challenges that were heard, however briefly and not sent back down to lower courts, but dismissed entirely. And I I guess my question to those conspiracy theorists who insist that there was some sort of massive wrongdoing is, okay, so nearly five dozen courts, many of which included Republican appointed judges, none of them? Saw anything that merited an extended hearing or even hearing the case whatsoever. That's that's my one my one food for thought there. Um, beyond that, I truly, for the sake of the country, I hope that the president, uh, the 46th president, Joe Biden, is able to be a unifier, and that Congress, the Senate, and the House, regardless of creed, race party were able to actually come together and think about "Ah,"
2: the genuine go to the American people and have that substantive debate. That's all I have there. Well, at least I think we are poised to have that, the beginning of that debate, at least from a macroeconomic perspective for the main legislative body or moment of this episode. But we don't want to stray too far from the original format, which is the educational piece and the bizarre piece. Well, let's start with Bizarre because I was sort of scouring the internet and I found an article. What did you ever choose? (laughs) How about this one? Man allegedly hid from coronavirus and authorities in Chicago airport for three months. This will be in the show notes, but this is an NPR article from uh, January 18th. A California man was arrested Saturday and accused of hiding in a restricted area of Chicago's O'Hare's International Airport for three months. The man told police that COVID-19 had rendered him too scared to travel home to California, so he hid in the airport, surviving on food provided by strangers, the Associated uh, Press reports. United Airlines staff spotted 36-year-old Ididya Singh and questioned and request identification. They said he removed his mask and presented a badge, which belonged to an airport operations manager who reported it missing last October. Singh faces felony charges of criminal trespass in a restricted area of an airport, as well as misdemeanor theft charge. Cook County Judge Susa, uh, Susana Ortiz said bail with $1,000. She also said if he came up with the money, he would be prohibited from returning to the airport. So how, how's he supposed to get home? Um. Anyway, uh. So we stole some.
3: Stole, he stole somebody's
2: badge. What? What was the Tom Hanks? Was it a Tom Hanks movie?
3: Catch me if you
1: can.
2: No, not Catch Me If You Can. I'm talking. Someone lived in an airport because. Well, I'm sure this clown's not the only one. Well, <clears throat> God, what was the movie? What was the movie, though? It was was it? I'm pretty sure it was Tom Hanks. Remember, the premise of the movie was his country essentially went to civil war and crumbled and was declared no longer the country that it was, and he was in the process of, I think it was a layover or something, and he couldn't go back to the country.
1: That came out, like,
2: what, last year? Oh, no, this, is, this has been a couple years now. Um,
3: regardless.
2: I think it was probably called airport. <laughs> yeah, the been, airport. Uh, let's see.
3: Regardless. The terminal, this- that's what
2: it was. That's what it was. Terminal? Yeah. Eastern European tourist arrives in JFK. War breaks out in his country, and he finds himself caught up in international politics. Because of the war, the Department of Homeland Security won't let him enter or exit the United States, and he's trapped in JFK indefinitely.
1: I mean, that's my thing on the punishment rendered here. It's like it, to me, it comes off like the same laws that punish homelessness. It's like, here's what you get for sucking at life. We're going to fine you or send you to prison. If you're homeless.
2: I mean, you see my point here, right? I mean, I, I get it. This guy has, yes, you're, some... you're not wrong, man. It's the airports effectively, uh, if it's if it's if it's anything like the Denver airport, it's essentially been municipal bonds, and the the public has paid for the funded the entire thing, like as if he's trespassing. He stole something to like survive the Maslow hierarchy of needs for a period of time in an airport.
1: Let's get real. Come on.
2: First off, where where's the security? If he's really been in there for three months, that says a lot about Chicago O'Hare's security operations, right? Because. COVID, this last year hasn't been particularly busy. So what were you guys looking for? Well, exactly. It hasn't particularly been kind to the uh,
1: Aventura. I mean, this guy, I got I to gotta hand him his props as a... I don't even know what to call it, but the fact that he was able to survive and make it for ninety plus days, it's actually
2: it's actually like Army Seer School. Like he search, search of aid. What is it? Search of aid.
1: It's pretty impressive.
2: Yeah, search of I mean, aid, rescue, escape. Something you would, like that's here.
1: Yeah. Now I can understand a number of reasons why you would not want to go home to
2: California. Um, but yeah, yeah, of course. <clears throat> not look, I love California. Well, COVID's awful. I, I, I'll give you that.
3: Uh, COVID's awful, the state's on fire. I mean, come on. There's a number of reasons. Forget political
1: inclinations, but aside from that, I actually love California.
2: Enjoyed my time there.
1: I uh, was stationed there for three years. My sister lived in Santa Monica, Los Angeles for seven years. I love it, but aside from that, how did you make it for nearly 100 days? It's
2: impressive. <clears throat> it is impressive. Give the man an A for effort. I don't think he should have any felony charges, quite frankly. But no, what a waste of resources. It, seriously, did he threaten anybody? Did he try and blow up a plane? I mean, there's there's the spirit of the law,
1: and there's the letter of the law. Mm-hmm. I agree. Let them go home. Indeed. Or make him go home, whichever it is. <sighs>
2: All right. Well, let's dive into uh, what I consider a fairly softball education piece, which I'll take for a couple minutes. And um, so, uh, there's been a number, uh, at least since the last time we talked about it, there's been a number, a number of uh, coronavirus vaccines that have met the market or entered the market or will soon be entering the market. I think Johnson and Johnson will be releasing theirs, AstraZeneca in Great Britain has released one. There's Moderna, Pfizer, so that puts up to four. And then China actually is, a, I believe, has or will be launching their uh, vaccine, um, probably in the Brazilian market, which is being heavily hit <clears throat> and and decimated by COVID. Um, uh, Bolsonaro being the president there, that is piggybacked off of the the. Uh, governing style of Donald Trump over the last four years is just like Donald Trump completely decimated a country that didn't have to be uh, in a particular situation, but that might just be my left-leaning bias. Either way, the fact is, um, both Brazil and the United States have some of the highest COVID deaths in infections per capita. Um, so China actually has uh, an opportunity to, and this is geopolitical, which I think is really interesting. um China actually, and I think NPR had done a piece on this and was quite interesting that China would do well for their economy if they were able to venture into the pharmaceutical market. And having a fairly successful vaccine would certainly increase the validity or shine a a positive light on the potential for a pharmaceutical industry in China. Um so oh, wait. I think there's a oh, lot. Whoa, 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 whoa.
3: So are you telling me
1: that the People's Republic of China is not offering to help
3: Brazil out of the goodness of their hearts.
2: Can you imagine?
3: I, I can't fathom.
2: Well, they have they have also given it to neighboring countries and it's been a uh <laughs> it's a, a wink and a nod, basically. So yeah, I mean it's it's What's that? Would you trust it the if China, you were not America? The Chinese, vi- the Chinese vaccine?
1: Yeah, I know you wouldn't trust the Chinese virus, but would you <laughs> trust the Chinese vaccine if you were a country other than America? Um,
3: what would be the cost?
2: Well, I, it's not that I would distrust... Um, well okay i want to i want to be very careful about what i say here and it's not because i'm trying to to mislead anybody but the to, to not trust a vaccine is not because i think that china has created something that's super nefarious and and has biological chemical weapon um Intentions that's, behind that's it. That's where I was going. With okay. That. Well, I want you. I guess I need you to clarify. And like, what do I not trust? Well, you about trust it?
1: them regarding the efficacy. A nation that deliberately, per the WHO, deliberately misled the world.
2: Well, so that's that's a good question. I think that I think that China would have a lot to lose to be lying about the efficacy of their vaccine, because if that's China, asked. and let me explain. Because China, okay. because China. What's their punishment going to be? Not being taken seriously, and and that's China needs to be taken seriously in a lot of these brick and emerging market economies, right? So, it means a lot that China gets the vaccine as right as possible because it it shows the world that they are on par with the United States in producing effective vaccines, that they can be part of the solution, right? They need to sell that image. So So what what they, they, what they can't sell is a lie. China can, China needs to, China can sell the, the, the lie of communism. They can sell that lie, but it has to be surrounded by a number of successes. Um, to show the validity of the strength of the Chinese regime, right? So we're ignoring the South China Sea here. No, no, no. but you you understand what I mean, right? So, I understand so what you mean. it's so I would I would actually go out on a limb and say that I wouldn't be worried about taking a Chinese vaccine. I just don't know that it will be that effective. But China has a lot to lose to lie to the international world about the effectiveness of their vaccine. It's one thing Beyond rhetoric, what do they have to lose? What's that? Beyond rhetoric, what do they have to lose? Who's going to punish them for lying? If China truly wants to... So, what do they have to lose? I mean, they can lie to their entire population until the cows come home. That's, we all know that, but we also heavily rely on China for manufacturing, right? But we don't heavily rely on China for, we, we don't heavily rely on China for pharmaceutical development, which is a huge industry, right? But if China can prove to the international world that they indeed can produce effective vaccines and can be part of the solution that they can be trusted with the manufacturing and mass production of pharmaceuticals as well. And that's another huge industry and they need to, they need to be able to prove that somehow. Right? So if they fail at the vaccine, it's like failing in the space race. It's like failing to get the satellite up there. It's like failing To put the man on the moon, right? It's the, and and, and that is, that's, so, so China getting the vaccine right is huge. That's why doing all the trials in Brazil is a big deal because it actually, no, 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 no. That's their mentality. No, 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 here, this is why it's important. You don't think the
1: Chinese are thinking that way?
2: No, they're thinking that. They need to. So much of Brazil's medicine is rooted. It's all rooted in Western medicine research, right? So it that means that all of the research that comes out of Brazil, all the medical research, all of the medical metrics, is taken seriously by the broader um, Westernized medicine uh, community, right? So if you did a study in vaccines in China. And China produced a report from their trials. The international community would go, yeah, we really can't trust that China. But if China does it in another country with a regulatory body like Brazil, they have to be far more transparent about research results, and that's I'm why. I'm talking
1: what you're pouring.
2: All right. So that's it's right. it's not that I'm I'm not I'm not trying to celebrate China's coronavirus vaccine. I'm just saying there's a lot more to this than just. I mean, there's China has a lot to lose by not um, by by getting the vaccine wrong by not being transparent about the vaccine. They will not have another opportunity like. Right now, to be able to show that they're a major player in big pharma. So, I am,
1: I am drinking what you're pouring, but you better hope if you even remotely favor NATO, the Western Bloc, you better hope they fail because there's a lot at stake right now with Europe and American, European, American, and Sino relations. There, I, there's a lot at stake. I, 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 I realize that. So no, I hope the Europe has more sense than to side with an authoritarian state, an overtly authoritarian state.
2: You hope but, Brazil doesn't? Is that what you said?
1: I said I would hope that Europe, oh, the Europe. Has more I see. sense. Yeah. Then to side with an overtly authoritarian state. But there's a lot at stake right now
3: in geopolitical terms.
2: I agree. I agree. <clears throat> um, all right. Well, what were we, what were we supposed to talk about for, for this? Uh, Are you kidding me? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Where um, I, I feel like the last couple of weeks we have in full transparency into, to you really. And, more to you than anyone else, I feel like we have i i I think I have been far more emotional about the news and about the future of America and a lot of things that are going on and I, I feel like I've probably been far more emotional um on or uh, emotionally reactive um to the things that have gone on uh, to you in private phone conversation and in recorded life as well <clears throat> and I've been I've been really trying to check that. I've been trying to listen to a lot of experts. I've been trying to listen to a lot of uh, just a lot of different angles on this okay. because I want to make sure you know, that listen to angles
1: by all means. I mean, for God's sake, how many links do I send you from left leaning publications? <clears throat> listen, to all the angles you want for sure. So but but, but why why check your emotion about what's been going on? Because I told you, I could post for your. Sh- I could send you for the show notes again. The text that I sent you on the sixth. My heart was racked with grief. Don't check your emotions. There's nothing wrong with loving that. With loving that flag and what's going on.
2: And There's nothing wrong I, with that, Nate. And, and I, 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 I appreciate that, and I also agree entirely, but. I think what I mean by emotions is I mean that I've been quick to show uh, my bias or I'm, I've been quick to show um, maybe a bit of unthoughtfulness and I'm not sitting here t- and I'm not going to um, because my status in the world and, and is, is not that important that I'm not going to retract anything I've said or go back and listen to, to make a, uh, to make mental. No, but not yet, but um what I what I want what what the last at least personally with the last week or two has, has shown me is that I think I need to be far more um thoughtful about uh what I am about what I'm pushing forth or what my my opinion think think a little bit more before I speak, I suppose. And and I've been all over the map in terms of what has happened and and reflecting on what I've said at least over the last couple episodes. But I can't get away from really thinking about the future of this country and the maybe the transition that we're going through right now or the shift that we're we're going through and I think that's where a lot of good conversation could be had surrounding where we see ourselves as a country uh economically it, and <clears throat> it be it brought up some interesting points in terms of sort of macroeconomic policy and macroeconomics. I think economics in a way um, can, and this comes from, this comes from at least having a bit of a finance background from, from school and to, econ can reduce populations and culture into theory and numbers in a way that I mean it can can sort of sound dehumanizing and I think that's where when we start having the conversations we do I I sort of go to the emotional human side of it and I'm not saying that's that you don't feel any of those things or you don't it's just it's very uh you know in medicine we have a really complex case or it's a it's a Uh, In the past, you can think about it, right? Where you prepare for the worst, you train for the worst, and it almost becomes second nature. And you can explain a horrific event, or you can explain something that for the average person would just be a very traumatic thing to see, witness, or be part of, but you walk through it in a way that's very systematic. It's very, um, very detached in a way, but it doesn't mean that you don't feel strongly for that person who's laying in that hospital bed or that soldier on the battlefield or that sailor or Marine on the battlefield. And I feel like in in a way I have to think about that when, when we have economic conversations and, and about policy, because it can seem almost, uh, like we're neglecting the human aspect to it. But I, I think that's about the furthest from the way you see the world. Through your lens right i think you are very uh a humanities-based individual and care greatly about your fellow american and your fellow world citizen. so i'm certainly rambling no you're not but no. i but I, I say this all because we have had a lot of heated conversations over the last couple weeks and you would see here's the thing nate down um, regardless of whether we were recording
1: or it was just midweek conversations, or during Thanksgiving break, or Christmas break, our heated conversations were always vested in, from the perspective of, we might degree, disagree on the means, but here's what I think, or you think, is best for the American people. That's, that's where it always came from. That's where it still comes from. So i don't I don't take anything you've said in the wrong way by any means. I mean, just because we disagree on the means doesn't mean again that we disagree on the ends. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people lose sight of that because I, I hate the word tribalism because it's about as overused as moderation and and racism. but that's kind of where it's at, like, well, just because person A from party X is from that party, or position, I automatically disagree. Well, you know what? I've learned a hell of a lot from you, and I've learned a hell of a lot from reading and listening to folks that had a different perspective. There's nothing wrong with that. To me, you don't fail, you don't fail your position by learning new things and, and evolving, you fail your position, you fail your people in my mind, my
3: finite mind, when you refuse to learn new things. Because I don't know, God forbid you expand. So, <clears throat> you know, we, we
1: started this whole third tenet on the outline of the podcast by talking about Joe Manchin and I. I suppose perhaps that's the uh, appropriate segue, but anyone out there that, that is on the fence about certain things, there
3: is nothing wrong by learning and adapting. That's okay. It doesn't mean you've, you've failed whatever, but I also, I hearken
1: back to Jordan Peterson. One thing I think he was right on, beware of ideologues
3: people that are just die hard to whatever position well that means you're inflexible that
1: means you're unable to to learn unless it's within your same echo chamber and that's dangerous
2: yeah well i'm sure jordan peterson quotes probably found in every monotheistic religious book somewhere within their their script Scriptures, but um,
1: that's that's not
2: me espousing Jordan Peterson. I know, I know. I just said I did do a Jordan but Peterson. I, thing. I think his I think his statement is strong. Yeah, it is. It, it absolutely is.
1: <laughs> I mean, am I going to be more loyal to Richard Nixon than I am the Republic? Hope not. No. Am I going to be more loyal to uh, my kind of laissez-faire bent? Of macroeconomics than I am America her republic and our people,
3: no. So if I can grow and evolve, and at some point get proven wrong, okay. Say, Levine. So be it.
2: Party like a rock star. It's a good translation. <clears throat> um, that is not what. Yeah, Joe Manchin. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's a good it's a good question because before we went on that seven minute uh, tangent. What we originally started talking about in precast was the notion of, well, it it was, you sent me an article uh, right before precast about Joe Manchin sort of putting a monkey wrench into the idea of 2k to um, single households below $75,000 per year. And, Married households, less than 150. And the idea, if I'm teeing it up right, is, okay, well, why are we doing this? If Americans are going to either pay off debt or rent or save it, that's not really stimulating the economy. Well, and I'll give you a moment to correct no, or go clarify ahead. or no, no, no I'll, I'll give you a moment to clarify that interpretation of you're Manchin. not wrong so so that that that's my interpretation of that simplistic or as 30,000 foot views you'd like it to be you're not wrong to where I think um I think I begin by saying okay Joe you're uh Mr. Manchin, You're not wrong. However, he's not wrong. You're also speculating that for whatever reason, um, you're speculating for whatever reason, and I don't really know that there's a lot of precedent to your argument other than just merely a theoretical that somehow <clears throat> infusing, infusing any amount of cash to the American people will somehow not really do anything for the economy, except for not, my argument would be, except for prevent it from imploding deeper and sending more Americans into distress than it would. I don't
1: think that's what he was saying.
2: I guess but what you know the take home is and this is why e- economics can be kind of cold sounding right because you sort of reduce you reduce you reduce humanity to numbers and and I understand that that sounds harsh it's not an insult on the study of finance or economics because medicine so can do it medicine can do it as well to a degree but oh, medicine does it to a large degree but um but my point is is okay so what what would be the alternative like god forbid people pay off debt joe like what so so it doesn't st- maybe we need to begin so my argument then is maybe I, we need I, to I, begin we need to begin to rethink what in this specific time when 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 finance and econ books are rewritten in the modern era of covid in the 21st century maybe um, economic stimulation actually means something different, right? That economic stimulation actually just means that the economy and the average American doesn't implode or they burn out. That there's, there's, there's a little bit of a movement away from reducing people to, to dollar signs.
1: There's no new school of economic thought. That it's going to change the reality the consumption why GDP <laughs> equals government investment net exports
2: yeah and, I'm, and not, I'm not arguing that we should be doing away with the consumption economy I think it's done us well for so, uh, so long but right now are we worried about being a, are there. we worrying about it being a consumption economy or are we worrying about being any type of economy that's and, I, and I, see about, that, a...
1: I think it was probably poorly articulated by Senator Manchin because what he was getting at, what, look, I see your point that, okay, is it so bad that we send out 2K checks to every household or every taxpayer and they pay down debt, they get caught up with their landlord, et cetera, et cetera. I grasp that. I don't dispute that. Mm-hmm. Wonderful point. I think what Senator Manchin was driving at that he didn't really articulate very well because he can be rather terse, shall we say, is that in terms of stimulating the macroeconomy in terms of GDP, Mm -hmm. gross domestic product, improving those numbers, all right, it does not help us to have people using those checks If they're, because one thing he said was okay, so individual, single individuals making 75K and dual, you know, married households, whatever you want to call them, making 150K, what are they going to do with that 2K? They're probably going to stick it in savings. The people lower down the totem pole are going to pay off debt. That does not generate cash that gets infused into the economy, and that's what we need right now. Yeah,
2: but John, what I would argue to your argument, your counter argument, to your to your argument is, I don't think people that can afford it, right, they're going to get they that they're going to stick it in savings. There's no evidence in American history. That that's what Americans are going you know yeah, to do. You know what that household is going to do. You know what that household is going to do. It is more likely that that household is going to spend money on something that is going to improve their lives because they're stuck at home, than they are going to put it in savings. They are going to spend that money. That's what Americans do. And if they are able to, there's no historical precedent on. Record that shows that that's what Americans do in time of crisis. That's my entire
1: point. You're you're stating that there's no evidence to suggest. Well, the reason there's no evidence is because we haven't experienced this kind of thing since 1970. 1970, the Spanish influenza virus.
2: <clears throat> yeah, I I understand that, but even so then, so that, how, was how prior, that was prior. That was that was prior to specific banking regulations. That was prior to the Great Depression. What I'm, you're saying is. There is no evidence for how can I provide you with evidence for something that did not
1: exist before last year? Yeah, but
2: you can, you, I can show you a number of recessions after 1917 where you never saw, you never saw, you never saw the change in GDP where the restructuring of the the United States GDP. Like, what is Manchin? What, what do you want? You want 2% growth during the worst economic the biggest global pandemic since 1917? Like, what are, you, what are your expectations?
1: Yeah. And look, I'm not Senator Manchin's lawyer, okay? But he made the point that, look, this needs to be more targeted to the fact that, and look, this is one policy of President Trump that whether you like it or not, President Biden is going to continue, and that is the, the eviction,
3: uh, what is it? Moratorium. Moratorium. Thank you. That sounds real great, except for the fact that people
1: think of, you know, landlords—all oh, these just people that are part of some oligopoly or whatever. But ol- oligarchy, you know. But the reality is, over seventy percent of them are middle to middle upper class landlords. Okay,
0: I know. Landlords.
1: So it What's... sounds real great to say we're going to ban evictions. Yeah, but okay. let's bail, let's so let's give to, let's give
2: checks to them. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Why would no, we why would we be why would we be targeted right now? That's why, why why if we have the ability That's not why what you're would saying. why would we be targeted right now? We just do. We get no. we build we prop the economy up. That's called stimulating the economy. Right now means keeping it afloat. It okay. means
1: it means but- those of us that are that that think in economic terms are you know, we're like meteorologists. People are like, yeah, maybe it'll be snowy Wednesday, or maybe it'll be raining, who knows? But the reality is, look, no, you don't just send out 2K checks to every taxpayer. No, you want to save those landlords, then you do a targeted stimulus for landlords, okay? Because <laughs> sending out 2K stimulus checks to every taxpayer and then saying we're gonna continue the moratorium on evictions, that ain't the same thing. Okay, so that's what Joe Manchin was getting at. Now, I articulated his argument far better than he even remotely tried to do, but it's its a lot more complex than just, oh, we'll just send out 2K checks. I mean, I can send you articles, if you like, from left-leaning economists.
2: Look, to of that of, course it's, of course it's far more complex than just sending out 2K checks. No, no. I, I mean, I can send you... But 2K um, checks are I part mean- of... To, 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 even, to, to even sit in the position of having absolutely no consequence if 2K checks are sent out or not. 2K checks aren't the leverage to this deal. That, that's the least amount of money that should be spent right now to bail out the economy or could be spent. 2K checks, get out of here. Drop in the bucket on the entire budget of this bill being so passed. The reserves
1: just supposed to, ad nauseum, just continue to bail out the American taxpayer? Do At some th- point, there's got to be a, 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 an end to this, Nate.
2: Have you done the math? Do you think more money was spent bailing out the average American, or was more money spent bailing out businesses in large are corporations? Are you know. kidding
3: me right
2: now? No, I don't, I have no idea. I d- I've not done the math.
3: How many? How, no, no, no. I mean,
1: are you kidding me in what you're implying right now?
2: Uh, no, I'm not implying anything. I'm asking, I, I'm asking is the math done? How man
1: many times done? have I advocated for a stronger stimulus for the American people than, for, for Main Street than Wall
2: Street? I'm, That's not what I'm talking about. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. I didn't throw that question out there with any context or anything. I just asked the question.
3: Okay. Look, the reality
1: is life is about choices. So is government. And like it or not, there is no endless money tree that the Fed can go out there and shake. At some point, interest rates can't stay at 0.25. They can't. I mean, they they, they can. It's physically possible. But when you're paying $40 for a gallon of milk... Don't come crying at me, okay? So at some point, there's got to be some sense of pragmatism here. So I'm saying, you know, notice I said back in March, shut down the damned economy until Labor Day, September. But that was extreme. But at some point, we've got to be targeted with this. I mean, to borrow Senator Manchin's work, okay? At some point, we have to say, okay, it sounds great, no, no evictions till January, no evictions till February. Well, guess what? Your bills didn't just dissipate. They're still due. Okay. And those landowners that, I mean, what are they supposed to tell the banks? Oh, well, you know what? There's a, there's a moratorium on evictions. So we can't pay our lease. What do you think the banks are going to say? kick rocks go
3: pound sand we're repossessing your property do you not see that point of course i do
2: but where's I'm, the disconnect here then i'm not entirely i guess i'm not entirely sure in in what world i maybe portrayed to you that i didn't care about like property i'm I'm, I'm a property there. owner i would I would, I would be i would be there. i would be equally This is why I don't rent all the properties I own because maybe I don't have enough overhead to cover. Obviously, you can't cover ten months is insane. I'm glad you've
1: got that problem.
2: But yeah, I'm I'm very lucky to have that. I'm very privileged to have that problem. I worked my I worked hard and it. But I guess my thing is is like I'm not saying that we should fuck landowners. Like of course not. I'm saying we need targeted, targeted to what? Targeted to the entire American economy. What mansion? What do you what do you mean targeted? Like not citizens, but only certain citizens, or certain businesses, but not certain businesses. Like I'm there with you.
1: So We're, you think? So you think a two K stimulus to seventy five and under single individuals, and to 150 and under couples. You think that's that's
2: the ticket? I'm not saying it's the ticket. I mean, it's certainly not the ticket if we just do that. I'm saying why would we not? What? 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 You know, it's what.
1: We need consumption. That's the way
2: this economy works. Exactly. And 2K checks is going to do it. No 2K checks is definitely not going to stimulate the economy. No, it isn't. So what's what's the holdup? Like, we're just afraid they're going to save it. Well, then, okay, then fuck it, man. Don't give it to them then. If you think that's what's going to happen, then that's a great – I'm happy that you can make that decision from your free healthcare care. $200,000 $200,000 a year job like that's great that you can that's a great theory to have man then fuck him don't the give the 2k you're,
1: you're saying Joe Manchin is wrong
2: I'm not saying he's entitled to his opinion he's entitled I'm asking you. he's entitled to believe or do the research or somehow come to the conclusion that it may not oh, be so beneficial you. it may not be so beneficial to give Every American two K because they might save it instead of consume and have a two percent increase in GDP this year, or from two thousand twenty to two thousand twenty-one. Like, what do you want, Joe? Like, what are your expectations?
1: What Joe wants. Okay, if you if you're looking at this, and this is more complex than just hey, we drop off another (laughs) check, and all of a sudden we turn things around, because again, if Lower-income folks use that 2K, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing. If they use that 2K to pay down the credit card debt that they've invariably used, accumulated, because of past bill, past, past due bills, rent, whatever, and then the 75 to 150, depending upon single or married, whatever, households that put it in the bank, that's great, whatever that does not turn around the economy like people
3: wanna see, okay? Period. So then what's his his point? So we don't, so we, so
2: what? Let's let's do the math, like what? So 15% of the economy saves 2K and the other, I, I guess, is that the point? Like just don't give it to the couples? below 150 in single 75. That's that's what you got from that. Well, that's what I'm asking. What was I supposed to get from that? Because I'm not.
3: Well, I mean, Senator
1: Manchin did not call me personally. Okay. But I, I read beyond the clip that CNN used to make him seem like a
3: Republican, which they were very desperate to do. But he's not that far off. Okay. Um, With that. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying.
1: Okay. So with that, he made a point about targeting this to landowners who, God forbid, you own land, but they need relief too. Because this eviction moratorium, somebody's paying that no to the bank, right? He also made the point that their businesses that we've kept shuttered you know, with, the, with the, uh, the shutdowns, the lockdowns in various states that they need relief. Okay? It is not as simple as putting 2K in every household. It's, just, it, it's not that easy. If it was that easy, I assure you, I would not be going to economics class. I mm-hmm. okay. Nor a lot of other people. It it is more complex than that. Because yeah. I mean, otherwise we could just, you know, what it doesn't
2: really matter. So is he, is he saying is. Is, he, is he saying it's more complex than that? Um. Well, maybe like he's just that evil. Like, I guess I mean, like, what's the point? Like, yeah, we all know it's more complex than that because the last round took what. Eight months after the last one to get passed, and the first one, very little relief went to small businesses. Like, it's clearly complex. Absolutely. Uh, I just, I mean, I don't know. Like, what it was if he framed it different? He was like, look, man, it's way more complex than just giving checks to landowners who rent. Like, yeah, we know, but we're not saying that you shouldn't give relief to landowners who are renting from people that have an eviction moratorium. So, like, what's your point, Joe? We're not. No one's saying that. Was it? So what is your point by saying like, okay, because you didn't need to say any of that. Hey, we should give eviction moratorium to uh, to renters. So.
1: Well, he also yeah, made like, the point that it, rather than direct stimulus, which means checks. That we should expand federal coverage for unemployment benefits, but that's not in the president's proposal. That's his point. Okay. So I mean, God forbid a Democrat not be in lockstep
2: with the president. I guess that makes him a Republican. I'm. I'm not saying he has to be in lockstep or anything. I'm just that I'm not coming from an ideological perspective here. I'm coming from an argument sake perspective. You're like, to me. I'm not, I'm just as registered independent as you are, buddy. I'm just saying, I like, what's your point, Joe? Like, you're right. It is far more complex than all that stuff. We're just saying, figure out a way, because you're the one that's been elected to office, figure out a way that we can benefit the most Americans. And if that means we need to spend some money, then spend some money.
1: Because some money?
2: How much are we supposed to
1: spend, Nate?
2: we're supposed to spend enough to make sure that this economy doesn't implode.
1: So I mean, damn the grandchildren you and I are never going to have. <clears throat> there's so, no end to you know, the to the fiscal morass. Yeah. There's,
2: so there's no there's nothing for our grandchildren if we let this economy implode or if we you know,
1: that's the problem every go round Nate is you know, I got this I got this letter from the VA last week. Yes, this is anecdotal, but maybe me and Haynes are both lying, but I got this, this letter from the VA last week
3: informing me about an appointment that I'd had 11 days prior. And I looked at Ian and I said, how many, how many taxpayer dollars did that cost? And so I said, oh wait, I get
1: it. Even with all the, what, 25, 30 million veterans in the country. That only costs 15 million. That's the problem. Well, it's only 15 million. You know how many times we say that? That's the problem. And some <laughs> folks are probably going, what does that have to do with the price of yo-yos in China? But just like my rants about the Smith Bunt Act, the repeal of the Propaganda Act, I will beat that drum until I'm feeding maggots. Okay? Because We won't forever be the world's reserve currency, and we won't forever, find U.S. treasuries, be the investment of last resort. The Romans didn't see their end coming either. And I don't think there's an end to America or her republic. But our dominance on this scale will not last forever. So this presumption, this arrogance that we can just shake the money tree and the Fed can keep Because guess what, folks? At some point, the interest rate will not be 0.25. And when the Fed has to raise it, our central bank, the Federal Reserve Bank, has to raise those rates. Guess who else is paying a higher rate? The American taxpayer. And it's all fun and games until, I'm going to say within the next five years, at most, that a trillion dollars of our outlays, our federal expenditures, will be on the interest on the national debt. Not
3: principal, meaning we won't be paying down the debt. We'll just be paying the interest. So I, I know that's a lot of
1: gobbledygook that a lot of folks don't wanna hear, but guess what? A great deal of gentlemen and, and ladies who care
3: because that's going to hamstring our federal outlays, our federal budget. So that's my point here. We need, we need some some pragmatism yesterday.
1: And I've been, I don't want to hear from you or anybody else, oh, just because Joe Biden, no, 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 no. I've been beating that drum since
3: 2016. And I'm sorry if you don't see that point. <clears throat>
2: Look, it's not that I don't see that point. I see that point. It's a. It's, so at what point does it end, Nate? It's, you're absolutely right. You are absolutely right. And I think we should start now. And. We want to aim for a balanced budget now. Let's do it. I think you're absolutely right. Let's start now. Let's. Well, I mean, we did the Trump tax cuts. That's, that was kind of counterproductive. So, uh, I'm not arguing that. So, and every Republican does that. Bush did it too, which also adds to the deficit. So, so when a Democrat wants to raise taxes. Okay. Oh, so anyway, uh, anyway, that's not my point. That's not my overall point. I would say that's absolutely right. Let's get hawkish now.
1: Oh, for God's sake. I've been hawkish about the debt since
2: 2016. Don't don't do I, no, that. No, no. That's what I'm saying. But based on that, let's let's do it now. Let's. St- I know that you haven't. You've been hawkish since we started talking. But I'm I'm on board. So let's do it. Let's yeah, get but, let's yeah, get I hawkish. Know you're in. on board. Let's get hawkish. I'm jumping. No, I, on, I, like I'm. I'm I'm in. Let's get hawkish. I know how you're at. Then what does the next three years look like what are we going to get we're going to we're going to jump into austerity measures are we just going to protect the landowners like what what what's the what is austerity what does being hawkish look like in 2021 through 2024 i'm on board sell it to me what is what does the economy look like
1: i don't think you or anybody left of center wants to hear it because i know the way that you're in Y- y'all buy this mentality of using statistics, you brought this up precast, but mm-hmm. now that you brought it up in-cast, the door's open, so y'all love to bring up this, oh, well, see, under Democratic presidents, there, there's more lines of surplus with Republicans. Yeah, well, that's very disingenuous because the only reason Bill Clinton had a balanced budget and a surplus is because Newt Gingrich made him.
2: Okay. Uh, of and course. I'm not denying that at all. You can't. I mean you can. Yeah, and, and that time this was coming out of Reagan, the neoliberalism, which is which was doing yeah.
1: great. And then there's Richard Nixon, who is the only president in modern modern history who the opposition party had control of both houses for both of his terms. So I don't really think that's quite fair of a point to make.
2: Yeah, but, but maybe, really, you sort of draw the line at like a, a Reagan really reset the economic landscape. I, I, I'm sure
1: y'all wanna draw the line there because um, Eisenhower was <laughs> Eisenhower was so powerful that we changed the constitution. No, because they were so terrified of him having four terms like FDR. But anyway, yeah, but yeah.
2: but I'm talking about like economic thought and mindset changed at Reagan, right? So so he ushered in what is at least modern neoliberalism, right? So you are so obsessed with Reagan. What is your deal? It's not that I'm obsessed. He is just a turning point in really what was the end of FDR's New Deal. And- that's not the point that you made. The point that you made, and,
1: and we can post screenshots, if you're honest enough, of our tax cast. You made a point about Democratic presidents and deficits. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not really a, – a, that's a very disingenuous, that's a very duplicitous point to make, considering Clinton had balanced budgets and surpluses mm-hmm. because Gingrich made him
2: – a- <clears throat> I'm confused. What am I – <clears throat> I'm confused. What am I um, disingenuous about? I'm just I'm looking so at. You, her- you forgot
1: suddenly the text you sent me, the graph you sent me about. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. What's disingenuous about it though? I'm like, you the, don't see the, the
1: disingenuity. No, the, the implicitness. Oh, of you, that. because
2: because Clinton and then, but it was Newt Gingrich that created it. No, I I. That's fine. Fine. We give Newt Gingrich credit. That's fine. We can give Newt Gingrich, Gingrich credit. I'm fine with that. I'm what I'm pointing out with Reagan is he what he ushered in a new type of really economic mindset in America, and that's called neoliberalism. And you go in these patterns. You go to FDR New Deal, <clears throat> then you get to Reagan, and we might just be America could easily be entering into. Um, that era of, of of repeating history and sort of that New Deal uh, economic mindset, and it might be that it has to. You know, I like we can you, we can give Newt Gingrich credit for the yeah, surplus with you with think this was
3: about Newt Gingrich. I'm sorry, that was that was not about Newt Gingrich. Well,
2: okay. then I'm. I guess I'm not.
1: I'll tell you what. We can post the – post, please do, actually, because you sent it to me. Post the graph that you sent me, okay, Mm -hmm. in the show notes. Yeah, from PBS. The whole graph that you, not me, you sent me was about how great the budget – you know, the the deficit was low and there were surpluses under Democratic presidents, and then when Republicans take charge –
3: Everything just goes to hell. Okay?
2: Yeah. Say, it certainly didn't imply that things go to hell. Okay, but the point is,
1: again, Nixon, one of those Republican presidents in your graph, the opposition party, the Democrats, had control of both houses of Congress for both of his terms. And then under William Jefferson Clinton, a sugar cookie, that one, uh, I'm not touting Newt Gingrich here. My point is, I don't think for an expletive deleted second, his aim was balanced budgets and surpluses. The contract with America Republicans made him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He had no choice. So that's a very <laughs> disingenuous thing to tout, is my point.
2: Sure. And again, my argument isn't here to... to... Having having, having a dick measuring contest, I am just saying that it's the whole idea of the budget I love
1: love that it's a a dick measuring contest now. A a point turns south on you and it becomes a dick measuring contest.
2: Oh, I mean, we can talk about Republicans, we can talk about Democrats, I'm just...
1: I think the majority of them are frauds.
2: That's cool. I...
1: Now, both parties. And yeah, I'm... Like, I'm over it. But the point that I, I, I think we need to drive at is a sort of holistic economic turnaround. We mm-hmm. need to have a measured reopening of businesses. Mm-hmm. We need to have a far greater distribution of the vaccine. Mm-hmm. We need to have a measured stimuli, but targeted. Targeted.
2: I, right. I did. it's your word it's not my word I'll, I won't be quiet no keep going I just I just wanted to make sure that I understood you correctly and I did targeted
1: precisely aimed stimulus okay I, I think S- we specific. need to relieve, yeah. we need to relieve pressure on landowners um, good. I, I know that, that that's right that, that great greater whitedom, you know but there's, there's gotta be more in, in terms of stimulus than just keeping interest rates uh, at 0. 0.25 and uh, quantitative easing and 2000. I mean, what, maybe the next check can be uh, 10,000.
2: Who knows? Hey, I got, a, I got a question for you. So that like $150,000 like income range,
3: that's in that. above. No, well, in above. No, 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 I know. In above and above. They're probably the people that own homes the most, right? I I guess. Yeah. What's your point? I mean,
2: it I was just from my perspective of every American getting 2k and having some sort of bailout, it would it would. I don't know why we would stop at one hundred fifty thousand because I I think that it makes your point. Like most people that own land and are own enough land to be able to rent it out probably make more than one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. So it makes the point that really a targeted stimulus or a target a targeted check uh, campaign or stimulus to the American people really should span from poverty level to Probably well beyond one hundred fifty thousand dollars.
1: I mean, perhaps, per but there, there's also this, and I suppose it it goes back to oh seven oh eight. And by the way, this was both George W. Bush and Barack H. Obama. So that carry the four. That means that was bipartisan. Um, the bailout of the auto industry and Fannie and Freddie Mac where was Main Street's bailout?
3: They were all concerned about GM and Chrysler. Mm-hmm. The banks that they legalized usury is what they
1: did. So they can expand interest rates you know, on a, on a certain loan, a subprime loan from 2.9% to 19.6% and oh, can't pay it? Well, the, the bank wins both ways. You can't pay, well, we'll take back the property. And then, as I've said before on here, they screwed over too much of Main Street. They had nobody to sell those properties to. But then, (gasps) who bailed them out? Main Street. The American taxpayer. So I'm
3: sorry. I don't care what their party is. Democrat, Republican. I don't trust them. So, this this whole stimulus idea? No. Don't buy it.
1: Money's changing hands, and the income equality gap is going to continue to widen.
2: You're absolutely right. <clears throat> I couldn't agree with you more.
1: Um, I'm sure it's time to end now.
2: Well, no. I, I think we, we, um, we end on a point that we both utterly agree with, and I'm not saying I trust them, and...
3: Should you?
2: I'm. You're. you You're right. I don't. It's not I that I trust them, but they're, I. I certainly hope that. I hope that this new administration has a better plan than the last one. That's for sure. That's about and it.
1: They're going to change that dynamic. How? None of the personalities have changed. I mean, you got the smarmy John Ossoff in office now. Mm. He'll make a difference, I'm sure.
2: I, 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 maybe he won't. We'll see. So, well, anyway, it's uh, it's been a negative hour for you, I'm sure. Well, it's not negative. It's it's there's just there's a lot going on in this country right now, and there's a lot of
1: we need term limits. Yesterday,
2: yeah, there's there's a there's a lot of distrust with their government. There's a lot of do you trust it? I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm not I'm saying. I'm not saying I do trust them or I don't trust them. Uh,
0: there's a, there's you. a
2: lot. There's a lot that I need to rely on. Look, you know what? I can trust that the federal government pays my patients' medical bills, and you know what they do consistently. So there's some right. things. There's some things that I do trust them on, and there's other no, things. Crazy. What's that?
1: Let me rephrase. Do you trust the royalty in Congress? Because that's what we have now.
2: I mean, what am I supposed to say? No, I don't trust them. Or I, do, or I do trust them. I, don't, I'm, I hope that they do the right thing. It's not, it's not informing my, I vote for what I think is the person with the best intentions for the American people. That's the best I can do. And do this podcast to talk about opinion, but it's not black and white for me. It's not sitting here. I just distrust them all. Like I, I <laughs> look, I don't. Think, I think I Jason think Crow, Democratic representative in my district, district. Yeah, I trust the guy. Former veteran, couple, couple tours, ranger. Like I don't. Me, what? Do you, I, why do I distrust rest. him? Is it the institution yeah. I'm supposed to distrust?
1: Let me let me redress. Okay. Believe it or not, for the folks that are listening to us for the first time, I'm sure they're going to find this statement audacious, but hopefully the folks that have been with us, and I know you know this, I am actually an idealist. I'm actually an optimist. I think the, uh, for America and our republic that our best days are in front of us, but I think there are some corrective actions. We need a course correction, and that's regardless of party. And I'm, I'm sure, especially in the more economic portion of this podcast, I, I sounded negative and probably even heartless. But the reality is you're listening to two patriots that, that served America and a republic and, and want the best for it. And so I don't mean that everybody in DC is corrupt, or else I wouldn't be anywhere near here. I know it's negative when I call it Babylon, but it kind of is. But if there was no hope, you and I wouldn't be doing this. I just, I really want to help raise some semblance of awareness, regardless of the letter in parentheses next to somebody's name, that you need to get involved, whoever you are yesterday.
2: Well, I agree with you, and um, you know that's your your parting segment, and and I, I appreciate all of that, and and certainly, yeah, for someone who's certainly a new listener over the last couple of weeks, um, we thank you, and for our longtime listeners, um, we're just we're happy you've stuck through. It's certainly a a, a climactic. Of <laughs> moment for uh, the Mods Day podcast when we this came to fruition a couple of years ago, but you know one thing I can always think back on is making decisions for people right making decisions and I have to make decisions for a number of employees that I have and I have to that I manage and I look out for and and, and they're the reason that I go to work every day, right otherwise I would leave because it wouldn't be worth it but I always ask when I make decisions collectively for for our little community, I always have to ask myself, how consequential will the outcome for me be based on this decision that I make? How much will this decision affect me? And then I have to ask, how will this decision and how consequential is the outcome of my decision for the people that I lead? And I often have to think about that because it's more important to think about the actual outcome and consequence to the people on the ground, the people that will feel the brunt of the decision that I make uh, versus the position that just might not be as consequential for me, but I'm the person that holds the power and I'm the person that makes the decision. And that's what I hope that the elected leaders are doing in the Senate and they're doing in the House at both the federal level and at the state level and why we elected them. Um, and and that doesn't mean that I distrust or trust. I just hope that that is the first thing that guides them to the decisions that they're making, or at least maybe is the, is part of the decision-making process, um, as to why, um, as to what we should do next for the American people and the American ecosystem, um, broadly. So,
1: look, I, I want to be very clear and I, and I apologize coming off as uh, somewhat overtly negative. <laughs> I harken back to one of our modern presidents' inaugural or acceptance speech for his inauguration when he said that what America needs is for the greatness of our leaders to match the greatness of our people. And I think too many people go to DC, come to Babylon, get Beltway Syndrome, and they come here to do well and end up doing very well for themselves. And I, I hate the idea of a district or state not being able to send back to Washington someone that really ought to be there. Mr. Smith, whatever, whatever the name is, Mrs. Whoever. But I think in the interest, I mean, good luck getting them to limit their own power but I think there must be for Senate a two-term limit and for House six-term limit, that's 12 years apiece. And you and I both having been stationed in DC,
3: I think we can agree that's long enough. After 12 years, you've done your bit for king and country.
1: Happy trails. Because I, I don't see another solution. If you see one, I mean, I'm sure there are others. That's not the, the long and short of it. But at some point, yeah, you got to go home. Or you ain't got to go home, but you can't
3: stay here.
2: Hear, hear. I agree, my friend. Listen, it's an honor and a privilege to do this with you week in and week out. And as you can tell, my voice is... Uh, for whatever reason, it's been a long day of talking, and it's starting to break at one hour and fifteen minutes. So, you got the flu. What's that,
1: dude? I texted you. I've got the
2: flu right now. I know.
1: I mean, like, I get it. It's time to go.
2: It is time to go. But look, love you to death. I'm, I'm love happy. For, I'm happy for these conversations, and uh, and and as always, I hope they continue, that, and I hope that our listeners feel the same way. So until next time
1: This is a game, but for me, this is work. I punch in hot.
3: when I step on the stage and get paid when my record is played. Word to print, Matic. I'm a poetry chick, magnet with Goldie the pimp habits. I roll with the limb, that is. Drove in Omaha, be flowing for hick-ass kids. Know that I was owning at the moment I hit that shit. Chris references and no one will get that shit. I even make the best of it a go.